and welcome to another episode of Armchair Opinions. Armchair Opinions is a blog where qualified philosophers answer questions asked by non-philosophers. Here on the podcast, we take a closer look at some of those answers. My name is Alex Impey. I am joined by Armchair Philosophers Carl Messenger. Hello. James Brown. Howdy. And our guest today, Laetitia Ramelay. Hello. Laetitia is currently at the University of Lausanne, Switzerland, finishing her PhD thesis on the concept of political consent. Her areas of specialisation lie in early modern philosophy and contemporary political philosophy. Under the microscope today is Laetitia's opinion about whether it's wrong to be child-free by choice, written in response to a question from Angus Nimmo. Thank you, Angus. So, Laetitia, talk us through your opinion. So thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here today uh, virtually. So um, in my reply, I use a technique that philosophers often use to study a question. It's about questioning the question itself. We do this to understand its assumptions and to assess these as we look for the answer. So to begin, we could actually ask, why think that it's wrong not to have children by choice? So I didn't know what Angus had in mind when asking the question and what exactly was interesting to him about this question. So I tried to reconstruct some possible reasons to claim that we should have children if we can. And for those who read my opinion, you've noticed that where I'm heading to is that there's actually no convincing reason to think that it's wrong not to have children by choice. So a first reason to think that we should have children if we can It's something that we all probably hear once in a while. Parenting is a life accomplishment or parenting gives meaning to life. And I think that this is actually something very personal. Not everyone feels that way. And then if it's not something that you want for yourself, you don't need to do it just because others want it for themselves. So from this perspective, it's not wrong to prefer not to have kids. Now I'm turning to another reason to argue that we should have kids if we can. It's that it's a contribution that we owe to society. Why? Because we need more people in the future to keep our society going. Some people challenge this claim by saying that actually we are already too many people on the planet and we are overusing it. So we should have fewer children, not more. So that's a possible way out. But let's see where things go if we continue anyway. Even if we think that it's beneficial to our society for many of us to have kids, I think that is still a lot to ask from someone who doesn't wish to, because it's a huge responsibility and that has to be balanced against our liberty to live our life as we please. There would also be two more questions to address, whether having children is the only way to fulfill our duty to contribute to society, And also, what's so valuable about our society that we all have a duty to reproduce it in the future? And I think that both questions can be linked together if we bring in a certain form of patriotism. So the patriot could tell you, there are not enough new people in our specific country, so we all have to make some more in this country. And she has to explain why it's not enough to have migrants coming in, given that all human beings are moral equals. But in a place that doesn't have a lot of immigration, she could say that the region's cultural heritage will get lost, the traditions, the language, etc. I think there's something to this point. Will these things die if no one's left to perpetuate them? And in this case, is it wrong to choose not to have children? I would say that even if you're sympathetic to these cultural arguments, it's still a big sacrifice to demand from people to have children only for this reason. That is, even even if they don't want children for other reasons. So to conclude, I, I didn't find a morally compelling reason to have kids, even if you don't want to. And if that's correct, then it can't be morally wrong to choose not to have any. Thank you, Leticia. So you argued that there is no good reason to think that not having children is wrong, or at least that the burden of proof lies with those who think that we should have children by default. 
Well, for the sake of argument, I'm going to shoulder that burden. I'm going to suggest a reason to think that we should all have children, or at least that we should all desire to have children. You said that considering children a contribution to society would have to be balanced against your liberty to do with your life as you please. But what if having children would in fact extend my life beyond even my death? I thought that this idea was inspired by something I had once read in Plato's Symposium, so I found a copy and I was right. It was something Diotima said to Socrates. I am persuaded, she said, that all men do all things, and the better they are, the more they do them, in hope of the glorious fame of immortal virtue, for they desire the immortal. Those who are pregnant in the body only betake themselves to women and beget children. This is the character of their love. Their offspring, as they hope, will preserve their memory and give them blessedness and immortality which they desire in the future. So that's what Diotima said to Socrates. And I should mention that Diotima was Socrates' teacher, so you could argue that she's the grandmother of Western philosophy, so she's a real hard hitter. So from what she said there, I think we can extract the following two-premised argument. The first premise we all desire immortality. The second premise, that having children gives us immortality. And so the conclusion, that we should all desire to have children. I wanted to get your thoughts on that argument. Yeah, thanks a lot for the question and for the quote. I think that it allows us to emphasize another aspect of the initial question, that's the quality of our choices and desires. So in my reply, I was rather thinking in terms of right or wrong, but now we turn to questions about what is really desirable in life. So to your first premise, that we all desire immortality, whether that's true or not is an empirical question. I'm not sure that we all do, but let's assume that we do. The next premise was having children gives us immortality. I'd give two examples. Biologically, we certainly transmit material things like our genes. So if our kids have kids and so on forever, this can work. But does that really mean that we keep living? And if so, is it the sort of immortality that we all desire? If what we actually desire is something closer to our psychological identity, well, there's Diotima's point about being remembered, especially if uh, family stories make it across generations. Uh, that could work if what we desire is that someone still knows about our existence a long time after our death. But if we desire to keep feeling things and experiencing life, this will not do. So in these two examples, what's clear is that we need a chain of transmission that lasts as long as possible. So what we transmit to our kids is not enough if they don't transmit it further and so on after them. But I think that even if it's unlikely to achieve such an internal chain of transmission, that doesn't make it pointless to try. So if you really want to be immortal, and if you believe having children at least give you the chance, then why not? Yeah, so there's no guarantee that even if you have... Ch so even if your children somehow extend part of you like into the future beyond your death, there's no guarantee that they're going to continue to reproduce. And so no real guarantee that you're going to extend for any certain amount of time into the future, let alone forever into the future. It's closely related to... Um, a question, well, a follow-up question that was asked by the person who asked the original question, so Angus, um, who is actually uh, Alex's boyfriend. So this is a, yeah, this is a very, this is quite an intimate, awkward, awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is quite an, an intimate topic. Um, yeah, so Ang Angus's follow-up question. So correct me if I get this wrong, Alex, but it was, yeah. do we owe it to our ancestors yeah. to to have children? Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. That's almost like. The argument there is almost like you're just like a conduit. You know, you're kind of what's really valuable isn't you, but your ancestors. And you're yeah. kind of just a bridge between them and the future and preserving whatever it was that they had that's worth preserving. I guess like the the sort of angle he was trying to go through is like if your parents have worked really, really hard to get you 
like a good education or like they've worked hard to get into an area that has a good school so that you can get a good education and like further get a even higher further education and then you just I don't know like bum around at school or something it's that sort of like um as generations worked and like faced adversity so that you can have better opportunities and then you're just being like wah, wah. <laughs> I mean it reminds me of something uh, Dan said in the episode a few a few episodes back when we were talking about um um, well, we were talking about how meaningless existence was, mm, if yeah. you remember. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that take take your great great grandparents, for instance. Like, do you even know their names? Like, possibly not. And mm-hmm. and you pr- probably like very likely don't know your great 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 grandparents' names. Mm-hmm. And yet, all their toil, their entire lives, were spent to kind of give you this position. And so, yeah, I mean. I guess by having children, you're even though you don't know their name, you're kind of doing them a service in 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 passing on something of them, you know, continuing their. So I think Carl, you're going to have to be the case study here because you're the <laughs> yeah. only you're you're the one with with Leticia. I, I assume you haven't got children. I was about to make. I have I have a son actually. You do. Oh, there we go. Oh great! So I made the choice. Oh fantastic! So we've got two we've got two case studies. It's cool. Oh, okay, so uh, we'll ask Carl first then. Did, did you have um, Theo out, out of um, some sense of like preserving, preservation of your culture or your ancestors? Or Genetic yourself? guilt or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I had Theo in spite of any philosophical leanings I might have. I am just prepared to accept that I'm sometimes wrong. And I might be wrong philosophically um, (laughs) about how meaningful life is. And so he might find meaning in life, whereas I just see an abyss. Okay. So this was a good way to hedge your bets in a way. It's Pascal's wager, yes. um, (laughs) I'm hedging my bets, yeah. Um, But I I, I think um, I couldn't disagree more, really, with anyone who says that someone's existence is, is owed to anyone else. I think there's something deeply wrong about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think um, not only that, but I think if, if, if you're there and you're thinking, oh, um, my grandparents and their parents and their parents all worked really hard, my parents worked really hard, and now I'm in a position of some sort of privilege, and so I owe it to create more privileged people, <laughs> you know, I think um, that's, that, that's uh, you know, deeply troubling as well, mm-hmm. because... And it's also quite narcissistic to think that my life was the, you know, the, the accumulation of their lives, you know, when it wasn't, you know, you know, their lives were about, you know, going to the pub and playing the pub quiz or, you know, going to the football, doing human things. Um, yeah. They weren't necessarily all about, mm. I mean, children are important things, obviously, in people's lives, but I, I don't think, you know, you sit around when you're 15 thinking, God, I just want a job so that I can get a house so that I can have a baby so that I can you know give all my genetic material to this other thing and then he can give his genetic material to another thing later you know that's not how it works is it life's more nuanced than that i think so yeah i think so did that feature in 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 your decision i mean this is so these are very personal questions i hope you don't mind being asked but i i just wonder whether that at all featured in your in your decision leticia about preserving some sort of ancestral heritage or genetic line or something like that (laughs) No, not so much because yeah, I see his life as something separate. So once he's here, well, it's you know it's his life to live, and I really have this question. Well, we need to answer what is so important about our country or about our world because I don't think that much in national terms that it should be transmitted. And I'm not sure I have an answer to that. So if in 100 years there's no one left on the planet, I, I don't. I'm not sure it's morally wrong. Although it was interesting, um, so my son was born in Scotland, um, and so I, I don't really think in national terms either, you know, day to day, but then I did get really upset when there was the Scottish independence uh, oh. vote, it, I, don't, and I don't know why, and I never really examined my feelings properly, but I got really upset that my son might be born in a different country to me, whereas at the moment, I've, I think... I think he's British. Like I was brought up British, he's British. But then, if all of a sudden he was Scottish and I was English or whatever, you know, it just that 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 upset me. 
but um, you're a nationalist at heart, Carl. I'm kind of yeah, but I, I never have been a nationalist. But for some reason, that that did upset me. I don't, and I don't That's know why. So yeah. I, I can understand how people could be upset by you know questions of national identity. But that's the only time it's ever really occurred to me, to be honest. But that'd be worth analysing that feeling, trying to figure out what's at the bottom of that. Yeah, I don't know. it's yeah, curious, I don't know. isn't it? It was upsetting though. But he was a baby at the time as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to think. I mean, so I I pulled that argument out of uh, Plato's Symposium, you know, just to play devil's advocate. And I had to think about it too. And I don't, I don't think it works. Like I, I think that even if the premises are true, I don't think it's valid. Like it. Um, well, the, the premises aren't true. You've done a, you've done a, a classic, uh, a Jimmy. You've done a Jimmy Brown here, haven't you? Because what, <laughs> what you've got here is the, the first premise. Uh, that everyone <laughs> desires immortality, demonstrably untrue. I think, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, Letitia yeah. was, could have been really rude about it, but she just said, okay, let's assume <laughs> that Let's assume yeah. that terrible premise might be true, right? So there's a false lemma to start with. And then yeah. the second one, uh, kid, kids give us immortality. I think we've disproved that as well. It's just it's complete nonsense. Well, yeah. So you've got two two false premises and then, yeah. and then a, a tin pot conclusion. So, I mean... Yeah, but I think that so. But all even all the, delivered beautifully, Jimmy. You know, but I mean, demonstrably false, obviously. But but even on the, it's even worse than that because even on the assumption that they were true, I don't think the argument works because um, the argument assumes that having children would be the only way. So even if even if those premises right, yeah. were true, mm. it assumes that having children is the only way to attain immortality. And in fact, in the next sentence, Diotima proposes a far better way to to attain immortality. So I thought I'm going to read you another passage, if you don't mind. So yeah, please forgive me. Yeah, settle in. So basically, she says that okay. So I mean, having having uh, children, you know, human like normal human biological children is perhaps one way to attain some measure of immortality but she says that an even better way to do it is to basically invent something so instead of having human children have intellectual children so this is what she says she says who when he thinks of homer and hesiod and the other great poets would not rather have their children than ordinary human ones who would not emulate them in the creation of children such as theirs, which have preserved their memory and given them everlasting glory? So basically what she's saying is write a book or write a poem and that will serve Good to... Book. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, the Odyssey or, um, you know, something like that, I guess. <laughs> but she says that's a far greater way to, to attain immortality. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, the argument doesn't work at all. I thought it was worth having a chat about anyway. Yeah. I'd like to point out that um, I asked Ang- when I asked Angus about this, he was like, oh, I've actually changed my opinion. I said, oh, what, what do you think now? And um, he quoted Russ Cole from True Detective. Really? Series one. He uh, quoted, maybe the uh, honourable thing for our species to do is deny our programming, stop reproducing, walk hand in hand into extinction, one last midnight, brothers and sisters opting out of a raw deal. So yeah, his opinion is sort of yeah, it's it's dominated by slightly like, a very pessimistic, cynical character from yeah. a HBO drama. Yeah, nice, nice. So yeah, he's young. He'll <laughs> we'll wear him down. <laughs> I also think whenever we talk about this, we're like, oh, is it wrong to to like not want kids? And everyone's like, it. Like, who would want a parent that didn't actually want them and just felt like they were obliged to have yeah, them? Like, I don't yeah. think, like, even if you say, oh, we can improve society, we can a- add things to society by reproducing. If you're reproducing and you're bringing up your children in an environment where, like, they're clearly not actually wanted, like, at what point will they mm. actually be able to make a positive contribution to society? if they're brought up thinking like i'm not like why am i here like i didn't want i didn't ask to be here my parents didn't even want me here what's the point like why why should i add anything to the world i think there are quite a lot of children and adults who are in that position i mean go to any play park and i was at a play park this sunday morning (laughs) and the number of dads who were just staring into the abyss it's like i mean there's a lot because i mean people are more nuanced than this right there is no human who who never wants kids 
Like, you know, absolutely, no, never. And there is never a human who just wants, I just want all the kids. I want kids every second of every day. I just want to be a kid. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there, everyone's in between these two positions, right? So it's, there's always a time when you just, you, you just, you can't stand the sight of children, you know? And then there's always a time when you, you know, it, all you want to do is just hang out with, with, with your children, you know? So I think um, to say that, you know, it would be a very strange case that if you, you if you were a parent, and you absolutely despised children and reproduction in all its forms. That would be a really unusual case, but I don't think that case could possibly exist. Mm -hmm. But I think the case where there are people who didn't know what they were really getting into, and then they end up and they've got like two kids and they're just sat there staring at the wall every night. I mean, you know, I think that's fairly common, you know, um, because no one knows really how Mm -hmm. hard it is until you're you're in the middle of it, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I think lots of people think it's fun and games when it's not. And loads of people think it's hard work when it's really not that hard all the time either. So, you know, I think it's, it's you, you know, there's a more nuanced position there somewhere in the middle. As in all things, it depends. And I get, you just feel, if, if, if you knew that your parents' reason for having you was to preserve their culture, you'd just feel like you were being used, you know, as a means <laughs> to an end. And you feel such pressure. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm thinking now of Mulan. Because I mean, she would. They, she had. There were certain expectations of Mulan. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hold on. Oh, the original Mulan. I haven't seen. Yeah, the I haven't remake. seen. I haven't okay. seen the new one either. Yeah, okay. I but I happened to be to. listening to the soundtrack the other day. So Mulan. was I. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I was listening to the to the lyrics of um, uh, oh, Reflection. Oh, Reflection. That's a great oh, one a as well. One. But I was listening to the lyrics of Reflection. She says something about how if she's true to herself, she'll break her family's heart. Yeah. And you'd kind of feel that way if you if you knew that you'd been born only to preserve your parents' heritage and culture, mm-hmm. and yet you wanted to go and. I don't know, do something really quirky and off the wall, you'd feel you'd feel obliged not to. Mm. You wouldn't want to break your family's heart. But isn't that a separate point? That's that's not the kind of, you know, that's not like the thing what Letitia was talking about in the opinion where he's saying, well, if we're in a country and there's not much immigration and numbers are dwindling, yeah. you know, that, then that's a different impetus than yeah. um, the sort of societal pressure that poor Mulan was under, which was to do with her gender, essentially. So, they, they, you know, they, they, there was a... a a culture of, you know, gender roles that she was. Yeah, that's true. Beholden. Expected to perpetuate. Yeah, and I think I think I think that's different, isn't it? it? Yeah, I think it might be a bit different. But I was just kind of thinking about how if we're not meant to use people as a means to an end, then then having children just to propagate a culture. I mean, that's that's using someone as a means to an end, isn't it? And that shouldn't really be allowed on some systems of thought. Maybe unless you have the you have the kid in the hope that they transmit the culture and so on, but you also leave the kid some freedom as today saying, well, I, I hope you will do this or maybe not saying anything actually and just see uh, what happens. And then maybe if you do not put the pressure, is it still ethically problematic? I don't know. And if the if the kid never becomes conscious of your initial motivation, that might be maybe a way to avoid the using uh, problem I watched a video on YouTube about the femme fatale in cinema from the take uh, and it was really interesting how often a massive mark of villainy for the femme fatale was that she didn't want children like her rejection of motherhood um, which I don't really see um, as played as villainous a lot of the time for male characters so you'll have like Casanovas or um, womanizing characters like James Bond or I'm thinking of Don Draper from Mad Men or even I like, like yeah <laughs> even like um, Tony Stark for example from the like Marvel cinematic like they're all really um, like you know cheeky dudes ladies yeah ladies ladies man ladies men um but it's never seen as villainous for them to like almost capitalize on their sexuality um it's all like often almost like seen as a wow that guy's cool like he cheats on his wife with loads of ladies that's sick um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um i just thought it would be really interesting to explore whether or not not only is it seen by society as um, wrong to be child free but particularly wrong for a woman to be child free 
Um, so yeah, I just thought we might like to explore that basically. Um, and piggybacking of something Jimmy said in his sort of section was the idea that having children can grant you immortality. And I think it was a lady called Virginia Allen, I think is who they say it was in the video, that argued that the reason why it was so villainous for a femme fatale to deny motherhood is because it denied a man's need slash want to be immortalised through their offspring. Um, so yeah, I don't know, what do you, what do you guys think? Great question. Thank you, Alex. Uh, actually, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to take this question is um, all the social pressure around women around yeah. this um, mm. topic. And I also look forward to, to hearing what Carl and James have to say about this, to have their perspective too. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's around this pressure. And I also think that it's the sort of questions that can make a difference for some people in their everyday life if it's properly examined philosophically. So I thought it was a great question in this regard too. So I, I try to think about uh, your question and I can imagine two reasons why it would be perceived to be more wrong uh, for women not to want kids than uh, for men. I think that uh, the first one has to do with a sort of traditional division of labor in society where women have children and do all of the care work, so taking care of children, but also of the home and so on while men provide for the family financially. And that means that if women refuse to have children, well, they don't perform the duty they were assigned by society. And instead, maybe selfishly, you could say if you believe in these things, they just prefer to do what they like. So that might be a reason, historically, I guess, <laughs> in a way. And maybe another reason also due to um, gender bias is a certain expectation towards women that the femme fatale doesn't fulfill. Something like we expect women to be keen on taking care of others and a woman who doesn't have this typical character trait can be considered uh, dangerous or vicious or abnormal, something like this. Whereas we don't expect this from men or at least not as much. That could also be an explanation, I guess. Yeah. While you were talking, I just remembered. So I think it was a story a couple of months ago. I don't have any sense of time anymore since quarantine started. <laughs> it may very well have been a year, two years, five years ago. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, but I know there was a growing movement between young women where it's almost like they were going on a strike from having children because of the lack of action for like climate change and global warming, which I thought was really interesting because yeah, that's actually something I've been thinking about is the idea that at the moment I'm not very keen on having kids, like the idea of having kids because of how like turbulent the future seems. But yeah, just the idea that I didn't hear about men striking from having kids, like that wasn't it wasn't and like enough of a a power i guess which was another thing that i noticed in like cinema and literature was that the idea that like don draper has kids but he's still a womanizer he's still he's still got this power mm -hmm. of his sexuality and i think it kind of revolves around the idea that men can procreate but they don't necessarily traditionally I'm not saying this is completely in real life, but like the perception that we have in our society, you can procreate as a man and not necessarily have to father those children. You don't have to raise them. Um, you can just make them. And then you maybe you don't even know they exist because you're not the one that's going to carry them around for nine months. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. You just reminded me of the idea that it is this like almost power that, or that's been given to women to like that we are the ones that create yeah. children but it takes two people to create a child so why is that yeah. and then another thing i was looking at this thing called it's called the madonna whore dichotomy and it's the idea that a woman can be seductive and sexual but she can't be a mother at the same time because mm -hmm. a mother is seen as like like the madonna v vaginal vag not v vaginal She's like a virgin. But, yeah. um, <laughs> virgin. She's not a big vagina. Virgin. Not vaginal. No. <laughs> that would make church very different. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
yeah just the idea that and then there's also uh, there was like a viral video again no idea when about the idea that there's four sort of main categories that women get put into which is virgin wife mother and whore um <laughs> and you can't you can often be a wife and a mother sometimes you can even be a virgin and a mother which doesn't really make sense but very like very seldom do you see someone being a mother and a quote-unquote whore i heard about another um i heard of another category as like cheerleader so oh. if you don't fall into any of those three or four you mentioned then another mm. legitimate category for a yeah. woman to fall into okay. yeah. is to cheer men on yeah mm. and to kind of like be like the like the kid brother of the of the guys mm. you know yeah yeah and i guess and i guess the uh the tension arises when people perceive women to be violating these norms not falling yeah. into any of the expected mm. categories so I'm a bit co- I'm a bit confused. Sorry, a femme fatale. Again, I didn't do my homework. I didn't. Watch it <laughs> yeah. So a femme fatale. Um, I think I've got it wrong because I'm okay. thinking of like a basically just a childless female villain. So I'm thinking of Cruella Deville. Is she not a femme fatale? I wouldn't. I would categorize. Who would I say is a femme fatale? Black Widow. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know how she kind of on occasion will like use her like sexuality to mm. um as a weapon yes you know it's that kind of i mean that would be one characteristic yeah wouldn't it, or like M- megan fox in jennifer's body i don't know if you've heard of that film oh she... no yeah that's a great movie yeah that movie, yeah she would be like the ultimate femme fatale because she not only uses her sexuality to like but she like steers men off course as it were okay so, so then a femme fatale isn't necessarily a villain well, Jennifer was definitely a villain in Jennifer's body, wasn't she? But it's not a necessity, is it, I don't think? I don't know, because in that film she starts as kind of a victim, doesn't she? And so it's a kind of empowerment thing. So you're cheering for her all the way through, so... Yeah, that's true. But she's know, definitely, like, killing the, the people. Villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so is it a case, then, we're talking about sort of femme fatales as just kind of competent uh, women hmm. without children... Yeah, who 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 have some sort of ninja skill? It's important that they have some sort of manly skill, right? That they're they're, they're a warrior or something like that. Or... I think a big part was that they had these masculine traits, like seen as masculine traits, like assertiveness or okay. just going for things that they want, like the selfishness that you see in like I guess male characters that doesn't get coded as selfish it's just coded as like yeah. they're just going for what they, their goals are yeah. yeah and kind of just a general refusal to fall into one of these uh, predefined roles yeah although they as far as I know and if I remember the, the video they always have to look very attractive mm. otherwise they can't you know uh, reach their ends and so on so there's something about beauty and being sexy and so on that's Still a bit gendered. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so Cruella Deville couldn't do it because she's she's too ugly. Well, see, that's a I think she's a baddie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's got these like she's got good legs. She's got great hair. Cool she coach. Yeah, red dogs. lipstick and yeah, so red on. Lipstick. Right. You know, she's definitely sexual, especially the way Glenn Close played her. Mm. Um, but in the original yeah. animation, yeah, she's all go. <laughs> I think they mentioned in the video as well about how like the uh, the vilification of the of the femme fatale was um, at least in part a response to kind of women starting to invade and take over uh, the man's world, you mm. know. And this and this so this happened in um, in uh, uh, during World War Two. So uh, women would take on a lot of the roles previously occupied exclusively by men, mm-hmm. and. Um, had started earning for themselves, for instance, and doing factory work and stuff like that, which a lot of men and society in general are quite jittery about. So I think that's another characteristic of a femme fatale, isn't it? Kind of just doing what men would be otherwise expected to do yeah. and, and kind of using it against men. You know, beating men at their own game, mm. I think, okay. is, would, be a, would be a typical yeah. characteristic. Well, in that case, that's very difficult to do if you... Well, for example, if you are a mother then you already fall into the category of mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, but it, it's it's difficult to be sort of sexually promiscuous and um, or, or particularly forthright if you've got to get to the school gates for 3.30 for pick-up time. Yeah. yeah, and then I also have for Black Widow, I don't want to spoil anything. 
There's going to be a spoil. I'm going to spoil something, but it's like... We ruined a load of films. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, as well, like, if, if, if people haven't seen Endgame, then what were yeah. you doing? You've had all of what lockdown to watch Endgame. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's seven months when it's yeah. sat there on Disney+. Plus. Just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Black Widow has always been framed as this, like, very sexual character, or, like, she's not very sexual, but her sexuality is something almost that she can't, like she just is part of her arson basically and then we're told to sympathize with her when she's talking to Bruce Banner and we're told that she's hypersexual and child free not out of choice which is a traditional like oh my god I can't believe you're not having kids but like because she was forced to and that's something that we we sympathize with her when we're told to sympathise with her is that yeah. she's hypersexual and child-free because she was forced to be, not because she chose to be. Which did I she think... have some sort of like operation for? Yeah. Upon. What's that called? And like a... she was sterilised. Is it hysterectomy or something? Mm. Yeah. So she hasn't got children, but it's not her fault. So yeah, she can still so it's be okay. Good... So it's not bad, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like a bit. It's, it's a bit iffy. I don't think that's what they were they were going for. I think it was more the fact that the choice had been taken away from her, which was the main like issue. But the fact that, like, oh, the only reason she's child free and hypersexual is because she was forced to be. It's not like she's choosing to be like this. Mm. As if choosing to be like that is like an inherently bad thing. I think is a little bit dodge. But I think so yeah, too. a really interesting is James Bond. They're going to give him a kid. Are they? Apparently in the next film that's come out. Oh, no. So that would be really interesting. (laughs) I mean, I I wasn't thinking that's that's inherently a bad thing. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's just going to be one more thing for the baddies to get hold of and and use against Bond, you know. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous business. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, like, um, it it would be an interesting case study. So Black Widow is like a super spy, right? Mm -hmm. So she's a woman of action. And having children would be really inconvenient for someone in her position, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact she's had the choice taken away, we're meant to feel sorry for her. But mm. if she could have children, but just said, yeah, no, I'm definitely not going to have children because I'm like a super spy. And mm. it would be really like, you know, horrible to have kids if I'm like parachuting out of an airplane all the time. They'd be worried yeah. and then I'd never get back in time. I'm going to be away all the time because I'm flying all over the world. Mm. Um, but somehow we wouldn't sympathize with that person. We'd say, what a horrible woman. Why are you a super mm. spy? You know, yeah. whereas like Hawkeye, the same, yeah. like Hawkeye, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so her best mate, he, he's got kids and everyone, no one says, you know, what were you he's expecting selfish. to happen? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so James Bond's got a kid there and now mm. we're all expected to go like, oh, James, look out for the kids. Like, why are you having children when you've got mm. this insane life, which is going <laughs> to yeah. immediately put them in put danger? Them in danger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just by virtue of who you are, you know, maybe mm. you should think about that. You know, mm-hmm. so. yeah. But it is, it is, I think there is a different case where, you know, um, like Hawkeye is a good guy because he's got, um, a, you know, a loving wife and, and three, you know, great kids. Whereas... Yeah. Um, you know, Black Widow, it somehow has to be explained that she doesn't have children yeah. Um, yeah. because yeah. she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Which is also empirically so unfair because not everyone can have children even if if trying. I mean, right, sometimes yeah. we forget this in these discussions, but it can be really hurtful for someone who actually wants to have children, but it does, just doesn't work physically, mm-hmm. which yeah. happens quite often, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is just completely forgotten in uh, some of these, you know, typical discussions. Yeah, like... I think there was a tweet from a lady and someone kept asking her, like, when are you going to have, when when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And she was like, I've had five miscarriages. And this woman was like, because, like, it's none of your business. Like, why or why not someone has or has, doesn't have kids? Like, especially, and no one's like, you don't hear about men constantly get, they're they're asked a lot, when are you going to settle down? I think that's a really, this is a really interesting one, is like, the... I guess that you can sort of compare it to femme fatales is like when a man is like very sexual or like a womanizer or a ladies man it's like who can who can grab him like who can cuff who can him tame yeah him. tame yeah. the beast tame the beast yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so it's seen again it's like oh who can tame him whereas with the woman it's like when is she gonna have kids like what like i don't know it's just like yeah I just I happened to be listening to a uh, a podcast recently about and they were talking about um like genetic archaeology like what we mm. can learn about um cool. digging into our into our into our genes with all this cool like new really high tech science and stuff 
so they were talking about at one point about how um we all have far more female ancestors than we have male ancestors so that suggests that some men were fathering lots of children with lots oh, of different women mm-hmm. um, and there were lots of men who just kind of missed out didn't get the chance to to have children at all but then the women who did have children would often have children by more than one male partner and i don't know why that kind of came to mind but i'm just trying to think whether that works into this somewhere it could almost be thought of oh well it's not as bad if men don't have children because loads of men don't have children like it happens all the time like you need a small amount of men to have yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just kind of the way it has been, oh, like, yeah. genetically uh, speaking. Yeah. So you can kind of almost think, oh, well, men yeah. don't need to... It's not as much of a priority for men because th- th- there's always been loads of men who've missed out on having children. Mm. So you mean if, if just... But, you know, just to reduce that argument, we could yep. say, well, as long as we have one... We could nominate one man <laughs> to be the breeder. Oh, is that okay? That's not okay, <laughs> no, that's right? Probably not, that's probably not okay. Either. No, I no, think okay. what, what I got from that was like the idea, if you have like a room of 10 people yeah. and nine of them are men and one is a woman, you're pro- you're only going to get one kid at a time. Whereas if right. you have a room of 10 people and you have nine women and one man, that's nine kids at once. So oh, yeah. the mean, deciding yeah. factor there of how many children there are going to be appears to be simple the num- mechanics the number of yeah. women in the room which i guess is why it can be seen as like true. more on a woman's shoulders to yeah. have children yeah. i mean i think it's stu- like i do i do think it's a, like a, like i think we're trying to like perhaps make sense of this perception <laughs> we're being like, very fair to our opponents i think <laughs> we're really trying <laughs> yeah we're trying to figure out figure it out and explain it but it is just stupid like it it's the, dumb, yeah. the whatever the answer to the question it's the, it should be the same answer for for both genders uh, for all genders and um i think we've done a good job at trying to figure out why people might think otherwise but you know, I don't think we've succeeded because I don't think it's possible to succeed on this on this front. I was thinking, Letitia, on this question, in your opinion, you mentioned that, oh, some people might decide against having children because as a global population, um, we shouldn't be having more children we should maybe be having fewer people for environmental concerns for example or climate change or just earthly resources right but i was thinking isn't there a stronger argument there or or a certain a more hard line argument that you could pull out there and say well how's this for an argument humans always suffer um, during their lives at some point causing suffering is wrong um so having children is wrong and wouldn't that operate as maybe an even stronger because presumably the reason why you're not having more children due to the earth's overpopulation is because they're all gonna die choking on red dust while the sky's on fire above them sort of thing but surely that's to do with their suffering but since people suffer anyway do we have to wait for the world to be overpopulated before we start considering well if we want to minimize human suffering let's minimize the number of humans by just not having any more at all yeah thanks a lot I think the question highlights an important point about the potential selfishness of the desire to have kids. We've talked about this before, but uh, if I want to have a child to bring some meaning to my life, then in a way I may be using the child, right? Mm. So if I have kids and they're unhappy, this might be my fault, at least in some way, just because I decided to have them. And this, even if the parents are not the cause of the unhappiness, right? Yeah. So I think there are two important elements in the question. The first one is the very big question about the value of life. Is life always worth living? Is it something good in itself, irrespective of what happens to us during our life? Mm -hmm. And I think that it depends on how a person feels about it, because the individual who's unhappy and regrets being alive may not change his mind because some solid argument tells him that life is actually a good thing, right? Yeah. But it's also, I think, about the quantity of the suffering. Maybe if you really want to evaluate the decision, maybe uh, with hindsight, you could say, well, my, my son did suffer 
in some moments, but you had more happy moments, for instance. Maybe mm, you could yeah. try some calculation there, possibly. So, But then there's also a second question. It's um, how do we how do we deal with risks, right? Should we completely shut down the possibility of making a happy life or let's say a normally happy life just in order to avoid making an unhappy one? Or is it worth taking the bet? So I think to give a, an answer linking your question with our initial question, if we don't see life as a present or a privilege, then there's nothing bad about not creating a new life. That's how I would put it. But so is there something wrong with saying to people, you should have children? You know, is that expectation actually demonstrably wrong? Because we can turn around and say, well, you know, life is pain. So why, why would I go around causing pain? And is that a good enough reason to say I can make the decision to do that, but you can't force me? You know, That's a very tough one. <laughs> Are you convinced by that argument, Carl? The think on balance, I mean, I'm not sold on the argument that you shouldn't have children because life is pain. Because I think, you know, as Leticia said, it's impossible to quantify these things. So, you know, if I look at the way uh, my son is with my parents, like no amount of agony he goes through in his life is really going to outweigh the joy, you know, that they experience just, just spending five minutes in his company. So... If I was going to sort of weigh it up and sort of ascribe a little point system to every moment of joy and every moment of, you know, um, existential horror he's going to face. I mean, obviously, there's I imagine my son in particular will face quite a lot of existential horror. (laughs) Wait, hang on. Why? (laughs) Well, just because, you know, of the way I am. You Don't know. let him do philosophy. Well, this is it, you know, like, and he, and he does sort of, you know, sometimes you catch him sort of staring at the wall, you know, and you're just like, what are you thinking about? It's like, Snap oh, out of it, Bill. Exactly. You keep asking um, him for his thoughts and things. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, there's every chance he'll grow out of it like I never did. But no, what I mean is, like, I think those moments of joy are perhaps more profound than just these sort of, just the nagging doubts of, of you know, mm-hmm. just like the, the abyss in front of you sort of thing. You've just got to shake that off and just get on with eating ice cream and going on roller coasters, haven't you? And I was thinking that maybe, so, I mean, I mean, you could pretty much guarantee that anyone's life's going to have at least some suffering in it. So instead of just thinking about that one individual, maybe your duty could be to try and shift the proportion of pain and pleasure towards pleasure. So like yeah. resolving to to have a child and to do everything within your power to make sure that that child's life contains more happiness than it does mm. pain and suffering. And if you do that, then you've shifted the proportion of the whole, even if only by a fraction, in the favour of pleasure and joy and away from pain and suffering. But it still involves this kind of like calculus, which isn't really possible. Like you said, it's very hard to quantify this stuff, isn't it? Well, it's impossible. Uh, maybe, I think... I um I was also a bit uh, perplexed about your question because I'm not sure that I know the the right method to get the the right answer. Mm. Would we? How do we decide whether it's a good uh, decision or whether it was a good decision? Is it let's say at the end of a person's life she would say yes I, I'm happy that I existed. Does that mm. make the decision right? Or is it about taking the risk in advance because when you decide to have children you have no clue what's going to happen right? Mm. And I. I don't know how to judge of it because if you only think in terms of the wrongness of the risk, you do uh, eliminate maybe the possibility of all these happy lives that were worth living and so on. Mm. And I'm really undecided about this. How do we judge? My problem, I think, with or where the question came from is that, not saying I'm right about this, but to me, there are people who are deeply unhappy because they've thought about large existential questions and then there are people who never thought about those things and so they're happy i think there are those so there's the ignorant (laughs) who are living in a state of bliss and then there there are people who have have thought about these things and there's no going back so that was the kind of suffering i was talking about really maybe um it was it was not necessarily if you got ill or if you had some sort of condition or if something bad necessarily happened to you i mean you could you could have like a, a you know completely uh, lovely life but it would still be a life such as we experience it in this sort of physical framework and i think that's where the the existential kind of angst that troubles me comes from like my life's great 
I've got a fridge full of ice cream, you know, I can do whatever I want. But the, it, it doesn't stop the dread, you know, yeah. and I think that's the that's the suffering I was talking about. Not necessarily any sort of real physical suffering. I mean, I've got, a, you know, wine gums in the drawer right there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a happy guy. I've just thought of something which I have to, I, like, I have to, I feel obliged to, like, read it to you. I'm sorry, I've got something else to read to you now. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get the book. I'll be back in one okay. second. I hope the book's, like, in the room. And he's going to the library. library. <laughs> yeah. He's running to the library right now. But this is such a hard question. I have to say, I thought about this for a few years, actually, but that was before I met my partner and so on, but. Yeah, I think I was also thinking. Well, I, I, actually, I don't mind the implication that it's um, it's wrong to this um, to have children. I, I don't mind it if we say that. But there is such a strong natural or innate desire in so many people to have kids that I also think it's a lot to ask for, uh, from them not to have any because of the risk. So I was more yeah. like, well, I think yeah. I, I think that's that's what I thought as well. In the end, like you could Sorry. have this. No problem, Jimmy. You could have this academic argument about, oh, I just want to minimize human suffering or yeah. anything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're sort of in your 40s walking around a play park of an afternoon, and you don't have any kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you start thinking maybe I was wrong. And if you were wrong, there's no going back on that, is there? So mm, I think yeah. it's kind of like Pascal's yes. wager, really. Sort of try and minimize the horror. Yeah. So I don't know whether the conversation's moved on now, but it was when no, we were talking. No, go for okay, it. it was when we were t- it was when we were talking about like um, whether life being worth living. You know, I'm reading a book at the moment called Awakenings by Oliver Sacks. I think oh, I've yeah. told you about oh, it yeah, already, yeah. Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Oliver Sacks was a doctor, and he um, worked with lots of interesting patients over his career, and he worked with. A lot of people um, early in his career who were suffering from encephalitis lethargica, which was more commonly called sleeping sickness, and it's about the worst disease you could anyone could ever really have. You kind of like just, I mean, people described it as like people losing their soul. So they kind of just became zombies in a way. They became like locked in their own bodies and. Oh. And it was like they were asleep, except they weren't. And a lot of people spent their entire lives that way. And um, but then it's called awakenings because they invented some a new drug called L-dopa, and they used it on these patients, and they started to wake up. And there were varying levels of success. Like some people responded really well, other people didn't. But it's basically the story of of those patients. And I was going to read you this um, this like one passage. I turned the page down because it, it really stuck with me. So he says at the at the end of this particular case study, Oliver Sacks writes, One other circumstance perhaps deserves recording. The week before he died, Mr. O, so that was someone who was suffering with this disease, suddenly became quite lucid in his speech and thought. And more than this, he refound feelings which had been scattered and suppressed for 50 years. He ceased to be schizophrenic and became a simple and direct human being. We had several talks in those final days, the tone of which was set by Mr. O. Don't give me any guff, he said. I know the score. Bob's down to skin and bone. He's ready to go. In his last few days, he joked with the nurses and he asked the rabbi to read him a psalm. A few hours before his death, he said, I was going to kill myself in 1922. I'm glad I didn't. It's been a good game, encephalitis and all. <laughs> and that like just really kind of stuck with me because here's a guy who's who's arguably had one of the, one of the worst lives you could expect having suffered mm. from this disease for much of his life and on his deathbed he said he he still thought it was a good game you know he'd do it all again even though he had the disease and i can't really remember how that relates now to what we were saying but it just <laughs> Like it almost, it almost made me cry when I first read it. So I wanted to share it with you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say so. So like, to drag it back on topic. So, um, so Carl's questions like about suffering. If each human life inevitably has suffering, then maybe we should limit the amount of human life and shouldn't have children. But I was kind of thinking about, and again, this relates to a conversation we had in an earlier episode. Like, I wonder what's more important like joy and happiness or mm. meaning. And so I think if you if you say that perhaps meaning in life is more important than joy and happiness, then I think you can kind of get around it because I think that often people define the meaning of their lives with respect to the struggles they face. 
we spoke about Sisyphus before, you know, he, he mm. faced a serious struggle. He was having to push that boulder up the hill every day only for it to roll back down. He faced a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, um, yet you could still say his life had meaning. And I was thinking about if you spoke about the lives that had the most meaning, like maybe the people who fought for, for equal rights or who've um, fought to rid the world of fascism or whatever. Yeah, th- those lives were... They probably contained quite a lot of pain and suffering, you know, and um, oppression and all sorts of terrible things. But they had a great deal of meaning. And maybe that's more important, you know. So maybe we should be concerned with creating humans who have meaningful lives rather than humans who who don't suffer and who only enjoy themselves and, you know, eat ice cream and stuff. But it, yeah. isn't that, um, again, like using people as a, as, as a means? Because like you're saying, oh, we'll have people... Um, you know, uh, I'll have a load of children and um, the meaning in their lives will be the fact they'll be um, like an oppressed, uh, you know, minority that will be exterminated in a genocide. And then we'll learn the lessons of that genocide. And that will be the meaning of their lives. Do you know what I mean? That just that just seems like a bizarre thought. Jimmy. I mean, that's... <laughs> so I guess I use quite an extreme example, but like even like so today, like the fight for say if you were uh, fighting in the Black Lives Matter movement or if you were fighting to um, try to uh, limit climate change or, or any of the big challenges that face us today, you could say that that's going to be a life full of strife and hardship and pain and suffering. But you could still say, oh, it's it's meaningful, I think. I mean, because I was actually really disquieted by, by your argument, Carl. Like, I, I, like, it was one of those annoying ones that I could see the sense in it and it had some pretty dire implications and I couldn't get around it. But I think maybe if you think about it in terms of meaning and you might be able to find a loophole. I don't know. Like, when you have children and, yeah. you know, you've got, like, there's a four-year-old boy there and he's looking up and he's, like, crying for some reason you don't know why. <laughs> you, you say to him, it's okay, Jimmy Jr., your life has meaning and see, see where that gets you, you know? So what do you think the better tactic in that situation is, Carl, to just get out the ice cream? Get out the ice cream. Yeah. No, I mean, all these things, what, what I'm saying is that the, 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 the suffering is absolute constant and, e- and equal for everybody. Everybody's suffering. The, the kind of suffering I'm talking about is, is equally uh, distributed amongst all humanity. So, like, even just like the pangs of hunger that you suffer, like that you experience on a daily basis—is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Not even. I think it's just you know, it's like it's just the abyss. When you've looked into the abyss, you, can, you can't see anything else. <laughs> and I think, I think you know that you know if you've worried about uh, why are we here, why why are there why is there anything instead of nothing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, if you've ever thought yeah. that, then there's no going back. Then it's you know, it's yeah. just you're just you're just staring into an abyss, and um, that's with that's a headache. What, yeah, with a headache. <laughs> stomachache, headache. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 the that's the problem. It's not about whether um, you're going to be you know eradicated in a genocide or anything like that. It's it's that kind of just on on balance. Rather than having that worry, wouldn't it be better just to have not n- not but bothered with life? Is it you know? worse to deny happiness, or is it worse to cause suffering? Or are they the same? I oh, am. Yeah. Like, what? What's worse? Well, that's uh, so. That's a good point. That's the because, famous like asymmetry yeah. that um, that the guy that Benatar bases his his argument on, mm. uh, and that is a tricky one. Yeah, but the interesting thing as well is like if you say, well, it's better to have kids because if you don't, you're denying them happiness. But then, what is the argument for like stopping having kids? Like, at what point are you like, I think we've got too many kids. Like, I think like you're sat in a room with, like, 17 children and you're like, I think yeah. maybe we've gone a bit yeah. too far. Because what's the argument to stop that wasn't already there? Like, what argument to stop having kids wasn't already there? Like, oh, well, right. we don't like have enough money. Or food we, to go around. Yeah, we yeah, can't support so... them. But it's mm-hmm. like... Well, that could have happened anyway. Yeah, like, you, could, you, could, you could have had a child and then become bankrupt or something. Yeah, exactly. Or you lose your job and then, you know, so yeah. there's always that risk, right? Exactly. So, like... Maybe as many children as you can cope with while providing for everything, yeah. taking care yeah. of them. But that's a practical solution. That's not really an ethical yeah. line. But... As many children as names you can remember. <laughs> I mean, one of, one, one of my uh, big, like, horrors soon after becoming a parent was... 
what happened if both myself and my wife died in yeah. the same incident, right? And that's then that's a big concern. You're like, oh yeah. god, what that's why you have godparents, right? Is that the idea of godparents? Well, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but we're like, we don't have anyone local here. So the best case scenario for Theo would be he'd be his life would totally change. He wouldn't be able to live in the same place anymore. He's, you know, yeah. he'd, he'd, he'd be a stranger in a strange land, essentially. So for a long time, we didn't ride in the same car. You know, we just really, not yeah. Like wow. if if wow. If, yeah. if if our son yeah, wasn't with sense. us, we wouldn't we wouldn't travel together because you know yeah, he would yeah. just be. If, you know, if, if, if we were going to sort of die in a in some sort of incident, he had to go with us, sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just it's just one of those things. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, when yeah. you're a, when you're a parent, especially yeah. when you're a young parent, you know, it's like the things that flash through your mind. Like Jesus, how am I going to control for this? And of course, there is no controlling yeah. for any of these things yeah. because you're dealing with the abyss. You're dealing with mm. a, a, a chaotic hellscape of a, un, of a universe <laughs> that doesn't doesn't you know owe you anything and doesn't mm. pretend to. So when you're trying Trying to sort of then, you know, form it to your will, you end up doing like bizarre, stupid things that, you know. Mm. All this talk of the abyss, Carl, I can tell that you recently started back at work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Furlough comes to an end and Carl We're starts in looking library. into the abyss. All of us, again. Well, yeah, in my <sighs> line of work, there's a lot of time for staring out of windows, <laughs> con- <laughs> contemplating the end times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean, uh, it's. Unless anyone else has anything um, um, to say no, on that nothing point, that we will can bring up the mood. Is there any? There's no mood lifters anyone can think of. I've got some like more notes here, but I don't think any of them are, are particularly uplifting. Yeah, I've got notes. <laughs> they're not uplifting at all. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's worse, like the abyss or the old gender stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's so so depressing. And then David Attenborough as well being like. I didn't watch the documentary because I knew it would make me like cry or throw up or something. But my flatmate Luke, he was like, <laughs> he was apparently David Attenborough was like, yeah, guys, got to stop having kids. Like David Attenborough uh, said it. Your child can be the next David Attenborough. Could be the next like eco warrior, the big next eco warrior who's going to yeah, save the but world. But this is a, everyone always says this. But when there's literally like, isn't it like a countdown in America? It's like we've got like maybe less than ten years or around about ten years to do something. I'm not going to have a baby in the next year that is going to crack climate change. How old was Greta years. when she when she got on the case? She was like fifteen, twelve. Oh, okay. I thought okay. she was a lot older young. than she looks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Mm, Sixteen years. So, so you're saying your Echo Warrior Super Child uh, Wonder Kid would be yeah uh, like six six or seven years late to the party. Yeah, and it would be a means to an end. Yeah. W- yeah. Well, what I'm saying is. It's not that you shouldn't have children, it's that you've waited too long. You should have had children <laughs> six years ago. I did, honestly, when I was like 18, I went through a real teen mum phase on YouTube. And I was like, there you huh. go. But your it never happened. You could have saved the world, Alex, and because you missed I, oh, your chance. We're all, we're prick, all going I? to die oh choking on red dust because <laughs> of you. <laughs> so please well just done. write a fabulous book so that at least you can be immortal yeah. for one of us. <laughs> well, I mean, we've got the podcast, so we've got we're, a podcast, all, all, yeah. we're, we're yeah. all already immortal. Exactly. Congratulations! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, you're on it yeah. now, yeah. yeah. As long as I keep paying the hosting fee, yeah, yeah. no, we're good forever. We're good yeah. forever. As long as there's power in the servers, we'll, yeah. we'll be alive. Yeah. Okay, guys, to wrap up, is it wrong to be child-free by choice? Yes, no, or no one knows and you shouldn't ask. Um, let's start with Jimmy. I think the answer is no. I think it's... Hang on, so... Yeah, that is yeah, right. Wait, I, I always have no. to think about it. Is it wrong? It's not no, wrong. No, it's not wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's not wrong to be child-free by choice. It's okay to be child-free by choice. That's what I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, Leticia? Uh, I don't think it's wrong to be child-free by choice. I, I do think that it's a bit wrong to let people believe that it might be wrong not to have any kids, yeah, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carl? Carl? I, I think the answer to this one is is no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. So we're all on the same page here, so yeah. the pressure's I on I think it's Alex. no, and you shouldn't ask. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. The answer is yeah. no. 
No. But you still shouldn't ask. You still shouldn't your ask. Bloody business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and your beeswax. That's it for this episode of Armchair Opinions. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Leticia, for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, five stars only, and find us on our website, armchairopinions.org, where you can send in questions for the armchair philosophers. And that's it for the first season of Armchair Opinions. But fear not, sweet listeners, we'll be back with a new season before you can say philousia. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye. Bye. So, Theo, why do you think people have children? Uh, well, actually, you know season one, which is this is the last episode of? It is, yeah. Just so, just be aware of that, folks. Last, last <laughs> episode of the season. Uh, I mean, I see why you, have you come up with all of these long? Because I think you saved this last one. For the because it's the hardest. It's hard. Um, but yeah, I I I will. I think it's just the balance of nature. And if we didn't have children, mm. when we if we didn't, that means they won't grow up to be farmers. We won't have crops. We won't have many vegetables. True. Yeah. Well, we have to have children to survive as a race, like human beings. <laughs>